So can I quickly ask Pooms to come up? You can give her a round of applause. She's nervous. She hates attention. That's why I did that to her. So we have, we have our, our, our little kind of WhatsApp conversation uh, that we had. And we were kind of outlining what is, it, what is it that actually is there like in, in life and in family that we actually need to deal with, that, that we need to kind of tease out for ourselves. Because it's one thing to kind of have this high view of shucks, okay, this is what God created us to be. How do I get there? Right? The question is, how do I get there? And so we're going to have a conversation around, I think the biggest one for us was kind of cultural expectations. That's the kind of stuff that rubs against all of us, right? It's like, how do I relate with Mamungani A when she does this or when she's expecting this of me, but actually we're not able to? How do I live in that, in that reality? How do I bring about Jesus' restoration? In that kind of setting, so when Apums, in your in your own experience, what would you say has been kind of one of the tough things in terms of cultural expectation and that brokenness playing itself out in family? Sanbanan, yeah, good. So I have two stories that um, will answer that. So. I, I come from a family where my mother is saved and my dad isn't. Um, and I didn't, I grew up with my mom and my dad, you know, you know the South African story where father works away um, and he visits every now and then. And there was a point where we were then living together um, because then he's retired. And that's when we got to grow into a relationship as a family. And so that came with its own challenges, because obviously in the same household, you have a praying woman. In the same household, you have a man who is hugely traditional. My dad is very traditional. Um, what helped me navigating this whole thing was my mom. She, she was able to stand her ground in some things without disrespecting the man, um, her husband. And so I could, I could see how she was doing that. Um, she's since passed on. It's in me, oh, guys, on cue, on cue, thank you. Um, so she's since passed on and um, in her absence, there was a huge cultural thing that my dad wanted to do. Um, and you know, when I was young, my mom used to shield me um, away from those things in that Gazuku to my mom will take care of it, you know, but now it's me just me myself and I and God um, and It was something that I had to do on my own and really just stand firm and continue 
what my mom had started. Um, yeah, so that was really difficult. We, to have that conversation with, with my dad wasn't easy, but I think because we had a father-daughter relationship of some sort, it really helped to a point where even during the whole ceremony, so we had to have that conversation that, mm, you know, I, I'll be here as a supporting daughter, but there are things that I will not partake in. Um, and he, he understood that because he knew, obviously, from my mom um, how I was. And so it got to a point where it was really difficult when they were introducing the ancestors and you had to go and speak him some or, um, and I was like, shucks, I really wish my mom was here. God, but you know, what can I do? Um, it's one thing for your dad to know, but when the lady who was initiating this whole thing just couldn't understand how a child um, could, I suppose, defy an elder um, and to be in that space, man, she did not let me off the hook. She was brutal to me in front of my father, in front of everyone else in the house. I'm not the youngest, which um, helps, but it, it was brutal. And to, to continue to take a stand in that environment um, was really hard. And I'm grateful to my dad because he was able to protect me a little bit and explain where, where I was coming from. But still, it's not easy. That's what I'm so I think Does that answer you? I mean, your story is kind of full of kind of different examples and I think different points where uh, each of us can kind of relate in some way. I think the, the one thing that I, that, I, that I think about with your relationship with your dad is like this idea of parental disappointment. So because maybe your, your, your family has kind of this way of thinking of things or way of doing of things, sometimes like what you choose to do doesn't kind of fit uh, their expectations of but, I mean, I taught you this, or you've seen this in me. This is the way we do things. You know us, the Similanis, this is us. This is, yeah. You know, this is what we pride ourselves in. And it, kinda lead, it can, can lead to kind of disappointment. But tell me, Pums, like, how, how have you continued to, I mean, even in the midst of that, because you are more like your mom, as you're saying, but you're actually engaging with your dad. You have some kind of a relationship. Uh, how, how, has, how have you been able to navigate that relationship in such a way that it doesn't feel like your dad is disappointed, but he's, as you said, like he's protected you at times? Uh, and like how has that worked itself out, for instance? So it wasn't always like that. Yeah. <laughs> there was a point where I think I was about 18, and sure. I was... I think just only saved a couple of years, maybe when I was like 14, so from 14 to 18, mm. you know, you are very zealous, you think, who will take on the world, um, even family, they will know by, you know, through me that Christ lives in this house sort of thing. And, and I think, so there was a little situation also cultural in, in during that time and how, looking back, how I handled it was not uh, godly. I was. I was arrogant, you 18, what do you know, you know? And I think I didn't, have a, a, I didn't have guidance in that. So it wasn't the way that I would have liked to now, knowing what I know, it wasn't respectful, I'll say. Um, as a result, years after that, my dad was not really happy. And my dad would say things like, Angiti Mina Niti, when we worship our ancestors, Nita Matimuni. 
because I've said that. I, I said that. Um, and it's, it's very tricky, but it has to come with a little bit of guidance, a lot of guidance, actually, um, because these are your elders. Beyond that, this is your family, this is your father. Um, so I had to do a lot of growing, and I think he could really see that I was sincere in what I was living out, and it wasn't just words, and so he, he, he gave me some respect as well, and, I, and it really improved our relationship because it wasn't now me coming down from, well, coming up from my high pedestal of now I'm saved, but it's actually relational in how we even engage in those conversations. It wasn't um, someone coming from a place of, I know what I'm talking about, and I know th that this is the truth, and so you're going to listen to me. Um, so that was the 18-year-old me. Um, and now, a couple of years ago, it was someone who has really done the work and understands. I don't always get it right, but I think I, I understood how to approach a situation with respect and knowing that this is my father. And also, holistically, I think he was able to see, like I said, that she, she's really living out this thing. It's not just when it comes to cultural practices, mm, I'm a Christian, so I don't do this, you know? So he could really um, understand the love of God through me, he, even though he's not there yet, but it's a work in progress. We're praying, we're praying. But like, I mean, this is, this is, this is great because I think it also shows this thing of uh, what does it look like to kind of honor mother and father in a setting like this? And Pumas has admitted that actually it hasn't always been the case where it feels like I'm honoring my dad, uh, but actually I've had to learn, I've had to grow in this aspect. And I think I have one other story, like um, from, from, I shared this actually yesterday with a, with a group of uh, married couples. And I thought it was so actually so relevant to this because one, one of the boys I, I used to walk with uh, in, in Joburg uh, one time was conflicted. He came back from home after holidays and he was like, I'm actually tired of living uh, a double life in a sense. I'm here, I'm fervent in prayer, I'm reading the scriptures, I feel like I'm connecting with God and then I go home and then all I have to do is slaughter goats. Uh, and that's, that's very tough for me. I don't know how to reconcile that and how to deal with that. Now, it's easy for us to go culture bashing uh, or actually the way we frame or we approach uh, our, 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 our fellow man, because again, it may not be just our families, it may also be you know, other, 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 other people, is actually understanding and honoring them comes from you um, also respecting that, that they believe yeah. what they believe, right? Yeah. That we are not impositional in our faith uh, but we are resolute in our faith, and I think we've done that well. And so this kid uh, ended up going to, to Umkuluake, um, and our conversation kind of went a little, something I'm going to try recall what is it that I said to him. But I remember saying to him, listen, like, you, you cannot continue enduring this, uh, so you have to speak about it. But how you speak about it is going to matter. So how you bring... Uh, Christ into, into this conversation is how you yourself behave towards Mkulu. So when you talk to him, your, your thing should actually be, the baseline should be this. Mkulu, like, I love how much of a passionate man you are. You're passionate about your beliefs, you're resolute, you're steadfast, you're firm in where you stand. And that just shows me something of character in you that actually 
I want to be a man who's passionate about the things that they believe. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to be, yes, you know, like, that's honoring of the granddad. That's, I've learned something from you. It's not, I'm arrogant and I know everything. It's actually there's something about you that I see that it's of God, right? God has called you, us to be a flourishing people, a, a passionate people. Now, where we direct our passion matters, and that's where we get to talk about, about the stuff. So then I said to him, okay, then after you've said that, you have to kind of say, hey, I'm also a man of great faith, and I want to grow to be a man of great passion. But sadly, my, I don't think I believe the same things that you believe. And so every time I partake in, the, in these practices, I feel like I'm dishonoring your faith. I, I feel like I'm dishonoring something of your passion, something that you are honoring, because I believe something differently. So I really don't want to continue doing that. However, uh, that means that I'm, I'm going to have to stop, you know, partaking. But if you feel like it's not good for me to stop partaking, I'll carry on. But I wanted you to know that this is how, how I feel. And he was not happy with that response at first because he was like, but then I still get to partake in these things. And I said to him, hey, actually, I think the Bible does cover us here because Paul addresses this in Corinthians and says that, hey, whether you partake in the meat or not, as long as your conscience is clear, you are fine, right? So he was talking about sacrificial meat and whether you eat what was sacrificed to, to other gods. And he was like, as long as you're giving thanks to God, you are okay. The problem comes when other people believe that you believe the same thing that they do. So your problem here can be sorted by you actually engaging from a place of them understanding that you don't believe the same thing. Now, in him... Saying what he said, he has not dishonored Umkulu. He's actually embraced something and has said, I've learned something. But at the same time, he's actually voiced that, actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I really feel like I'm dishonoring you. And I don't know how, who you believe in takes that, but I really don't want to dishonor, you know, your culture, your religion. I really want to carry on with what I believe. And what that looks like is me stepping away. But if you feel like that's disrespectful to you, it's okay, I'll carry on, but know that where, I'm, where my heart is, it's not, it's not vibing, you know? So it's, you are allowed to speak up uh, in terms of the differences you have, even in family. Take the principle, it's not only in, <laughs> in, in cultural talks, but it's in various conflicts that you can respect the other without, you know, bruising them or, or you know, sorting them away. Where you can maintain relationship. And I think the importance of maintaining a relationship, I think Khaled and I often speak about this, that it's far more important gaining uh, a person because tomorrow you get another chance to actually share something of the gospel. And I also think it's, it's treating our families the way that Christ has treated us yes, or, how he's, or how he's welcomed us into this family. You know, it's, it's in the same way. It's... It's been gracious, gracious. It's, it's been patient with, with our families. It's understanding that um, you, God has put you in that family and, and he's, he's put you there for a reason, you know. So it's not, yeah, it's not to say, now I'm going to bubble bash you because it's my duty to, you know. But God didn't, he, that's not how he saved us. Um, yeah, so it's really just being the same way that Christ has been to us, to our families. If that's, if that's not gospel, I don't know what is. So we're going to take a few questions. So if you, if you have a question, this is your time. 
And this could be in any category, as we've outlined. Like sometimes it's like that we just chose this example because it resonates with our with our realities. But there's others. Maybe it's relational expectations. Maybe it's financial expectations. But whatever it is, it can kind of you can kind of rub against each other in a way that is not causing one another to flourish, as we spoke about, or causing one another to be redirected towards God. So what are those? What are some of those things for you? that you feel like you need, a, you need to say, ask a question about and Pums and I could try uh, through what we, our limited experience really, to give a response to. Yeah. So for me, it's not so much a question, but um, I come from a family where my mom and dad, from Veleskula, we know they've always, I mean, they were saved in 19, I believe 1973 or 1974. And at that time, the whole family you know, was not saved, as in the extended family. He's my, my father's family, my mom's family. And when we listen to how my dad relates the story or you know, how he, how God used him in the family. So I don't have your experience in, or rather the experience of the guy that you're talking about and how you advised him. So I'm not going to get into that, but I, I have an experience of a father who I'm quite sure that obviously because he had to also be relational with them, you know, he had to represent Christ, but then there was also a certain uh, a part of him that was radical that God used. He was an evangelist. And surely, slowly but surely, his sisters got saved. Um, his, his mom, my grandmother, um, in, his, in her old age, got saved. No, the, 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 my cousins, no, he, he's got a lot of spiritual sons and daughters who are actually also no, like, uh, um, in the family. And, and I just saw how God used him to tend the trajectory trajectory of the family around because he took a stand so although I don't have that experience that you know, in terms of the advice that you gave to a friend I have a, a more I, just from the way my father explained it I, I see how God uses us you know in our families to take a stand so that you know he can reconcile people to himself within families so I love that because it, it means actually what the work that God is doing in us is not, it's not a small thing. Is that actually the engagements that we get to have because of the transformation in our lives means that it affects others. And in fact, you can see that. So in my story, the way it ends is actually the kid talks to Umkulu. Umkulu actually is like, he's so proud of this young man. He's like, like this, this one, this boy, he's, he's, a solid, he's a solid guy. So actually how they communicate is that actually uh, he tells him what he's uncomfortable with, and Umkulu listens to him. So he's, he's become the favorite, so to speak. Uh, and that's, that's, again, a transformation that could lead into gospel, gospel change. And I think adding to what you're saying about taking a stand is not to, maybe I'll say not to, be free to, to live as God would want you to live in your family. Um, like I remember how mom, we would pray and my dad sometimes will come um, with, you know, with us in prayer and when he's sick he'll be like, guys, please pray for me. So it's in that and, and he sees how we are diligent in, 
in just loving God. And, you know, we don't know how much he takes in or how much your, well, in your case, we know because everybody else got saved. But to just continue being that person in your family, if you come from a family that is usually traditional, to not shy away um, or be brave sometimes if it's a bit difficult, but to to make a to take that stand, as you say, no matter how small it is, um, and you don't know how much God uses that in people's hearts. I want to throw in just a, a question that's slightly different from the kind of cultural expectations thing, uh, and maybe it gives us an idea of the kind of questions that we could ask. Uh, so in my family, I've got three, maybe four members who at different points in their lives looked like they had like a saving faith in Jesus. And all of them have fallen away for different reasons in different ways. And it's just incredibly difficult to be able to speak about Christ to them because of my familiarity in relationship with them. Yet they're the people I long for to come to faith in Christ more than anyone else. And so there's like that like deep longing, but that deep difficulty. And I'm sure many of us have unsafe people in our families and probably struggle with how do we do this? Uh, so do you guys have any thoughts there for us? Francine wants to have a go. It's not so much advice for you in terms of how you should do that, but I've seen the power of prayer. And I think you just being there praying for them. Yeah, because they, 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 they actually know, they know about God. They know, and, and as you continue to live and represent Christ, but knowing that you're also praying for them, he's also able to work and stir their hearts and start drawing them to, to himself. I've seen that, no, obviously I, I can't say, you know, in terms of what I was relating to earlier on, but just with other people where sometimes we don't have to go on and on and on about, hey, this, hey, God, that, but... You know, God is able to do that work in them as you continue to represent Christ, but also spend, really spend time in intercessory prayer. And they don't even have to know about it. So I love, Francine, you're actually brilliant. That's brilliant because that's exactly how we are to engage, is to understand what our responsibility is. Uh, our responsibility is to represent Christ to people. Uh, our responsibility is to, as Pum said, like be as Christ, patient, loving. And the amazing thing is actually he gets to do the work of transforming us. This morning there was many people in tears because of actually you have encountered God for yourself. And that means more than um, Pastor Tom kind of jumping into his family and say, guys, from now on we are a Christian family. You're all going to eat Bible. Like that's, that's what's going to happen. That doesn't cause any transformation in anyone's heart uh, but actually understanding that it's something that is a work of God and so to Francine's point it's actually about you interceding and praying for them more than anything else and your cry to God will be one that my, my, my prayer for you and your family is actually he would hear it uh, he would hear your cry for salvation because you understand what salvation has done for you and Pums was just making a point now about the, the difficulty, like even for Jesus, like uh, he was a prophet not welcomed in his own hometown. Uh, people didn't embrace him uh, so easily. And I think this speaks into something of a suffering as well that I was speaking about. So Christ's suffering went as far as his own people 
caused him to come to a place where he's being sacrificed by another nation, uh, I mean, killed by another nation on a cross. And there's a, there's, I think there's a toughness to this that if I don't speak about it, I think I'll be doing you a disservice. So sometimes you're going to have pushbacks uh, from, from family members, from friends, from other people that will be, in a sense, suffering because you won't be experiencing, like, uh, the, the easy flow of kind of having that relationship with dad and yeah. you, are, you have differences but you're able to communicate. There'll be people who will be simply hostile. Uh, I love when scripture speaks about let, let not anyone persecute you because of your own doing, because you were a thief or you did something wrong. So I think that it also includes us being combative and being so, so not great at navigating how we relate to people. Yeah. So let it be simply because of the gospel. Let it be because of the offense of the gospel and nothing else. So if it's me embracing my faith, like I'm on my corner praying and somebody has an issue, that, that's not you doing anything to them, you know, that's them doing something to you. And there's a level in which you might need to endure that. As it says, share in the sufferings of Christ. That's part of it, is that not everybody will be receptive to you. But actually, you take heart because he says he's overcome the world. You take heart because he actually died and rose again. So your, your temporary death in how somebody responds to you uh, pales in comparison to the eternal life that you've secured in him. And in fact, all you are doing is desiring them as well to uh, have the same thing that you've, you've had. So watch out for those sufferings, but don't, don't, don't be discouraged in them. Mal? Um, so, um, I think that I also have, like, a, a similar, you know, um, experience in terms of, like, family with Pooms and both the guy that you were uh, making an example of. Um, but I feel like sometimes families are different, right? They, they're very different. And I feel like what do you do when, you know, you have, like, stubborn, stubborn family members, you know, or maybe not even, like, an extension of your family, maybe, like, your mom or your dad, they're just like, hey, like, like, you know, and they just stand firm in that, and it's just like, um, what do I do? Because I don't believe in this, you know, and it's not that you have not voiced that out, it's just like, they just like our way or no way, you know? I'm just asking, they not like that to me because <laughs> I'm stubborn as well. So it's just a matter of, <laughs> it's just a matter of, yeah. And it's just like, they do what they do. And it's, it's um, I have, um, I have an ill, not an illness, it's now it's full like, it's just terrible. I have this thing. Um, it's like an eczema. So I've been like struggling with it like for years and years. And my mom will be like, let's go to someone, you know, let's go to someone. And I'll be like, nah, get right to me. You know, and um, she will um, buy. And then she'll come with it. Yeah, I wake up pink. And then she'll give it to me, and then I'll ask her what is this, and she'll tell me, and then I'll just like take it, cause now they know. I'm not about this, you know. I'll take it, and then I'll put it in my room somewhere. And then this other time, my mom came in, and she was like, 
Melissa, I'm like, I told you guys, you know, I'm not about that. But like, they keep on doing such things. And it's not a matter of, I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want us to like get in a curl of, I believe in this or whatnot. So what do you do when, you know, you have such stubborn parents or family members that in, like keep on pushing and, and pushing, even though they know what you believe in, you know? Or maybe to someone else, you know, that might differ and be like, you know, in this house, we are believing in this. So if we're doing this, you are definitely doing this now. You know? So, I mean, for me, it's... So I, I, love, I love a particular doctrine about uh, in, in, in Christianity called the perseverance of the, of the saints. And it, it actually covers quite a lot. So whether it's the suffering that I was talking about or whether how do we continually encounter suffering and endure, or whether, you know, how do we persist in our faith and stand firm, right? And it's exactly that. It's me calling, it's us calling each other continually uh, as a community into persevering in our faith, continually standing for what we know and what we believe for. And so I think the first thing that I would encourage you to do is persist in Christian community and kind of when it's, when it's bugged you a bit, uh, share it with, with, with community. Because I think when it feels like it's you against everybody else, it's easier to fold uh, than when it's, you know, when you're with others who are like, you're not crazy <laughs> for thinking what you're thinking, right? You're, you're actually just exercising your faith. I think that can kind of strengthen you again. But I do think it's that. It's, it's, it's also the layer of the devil is as persistent as <laughs> the believers are. Uh, until God deals with him. And so in small ways, he'll always try to etch himself in, uh, even with, with others uh, around us. And so my thing is, you better be strong in, in prayer, as you're saying, Zokulega. You better be strong in prayer. Uh, be fervent in kind of bringing it to God continually. Um, I, don't, I think it's perseverance. It's perseverance is the key. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, Mel. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, what, what really helped me, particularly that day, when I really felt like I, this is a spiritual attack, I had to go to my friends and we had to pray. I had to um, call, there's a lady in Newcastle who, man, that woman is such a, a prayer warrior. I called her and I was like, this is the situation, please. And um, leaving, after going to my friends and just airing this out and and really just praying. I felt so much better. I felt like I had support and people behind me. And so you really have to um, plug yourself into this God-given family. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just reminded of Ephesians 2. Um, <laughs> some, it's in such way some of you, but God. I think your perspective is important because if it's tempting for us believers once we're saved to look at people who are not saved as the enemy and, and judge them and be like, ah, get away from me. But then I think your perspective is important, especially coming from Ephesians 2, to remember, Wuti, now you were like that. Once upon a time, you were that stubborn. And it wasn't because of the stubbornness, stubbornness. It was because of the power of sin over you at that time. But God came through for you. So it's loving people so much that you remember 
and you're reminded of yourself, and love them there. But is not you compromising just because you wanna you want them to know you love them so that so alienated and I don't know, it's like it's easy for us to just be those people. About yeah. which is such yeah. with some of you, but yeah. God. So it's God. You know, so as on top of everything they've said. That's all that's very helpful. Mafin, you got the honor of the last question. Oh my pressure. Okay, I'm going to branch away a bit from the cultural um, conversation we've been having. And I just want to ask um, sort of like two views to the picture that you painted about a typical sort of nucleus family. There's a mom, there's a dad, things happen, then kids happen. <laughs> um, so I just, I guess I want you to sort of um, help us understand how, okay, so the one view is, I have a family and it, there's only mom and dad. We know the, the problem of fatherlessness, right? And if you're saying the blessing is in mom and dad, kids multiply, how, do, how does someone who doesn't have a typical family reconcile that with God? Um, question one, right? And then the other view um, is um, however old, God has not blessed me with a husband. Um, how do you help that person who says, I've been in church, um, God is not doing the things. I want a child. We're women, right? <laughs> By the age of 40, past 40, it becomes difficult. I want a child. I'm just going to have it and deal with God later. How do you help that person reconcile that? Um, you know, if, if God is saying this is a blessing and I, I really, like, I really, want, really want that, why is he not giving me that? Sure. Um, yeah. Man, oh man. I'm not qualified. Look, Pumas, Pumas is going to tell us all about it. First, so, I'll go to Bible school and come. So I think, I think <laughs> that's, a, that's a very brilliant question. And I think, actually, this is, this is so fitting of what we, how we've kind of put this together. So the picture that I painted, again, is Eden picture, right? It's, it's the picture of how God intended things to be. Uh, then we speak about this thing, the fall uh, of, of humanity, and this is actually where brokenness kind of riddles our entire existence as we know it. It's the fact that actually barrenness, how many stories of barrenness do you know of in the Bible? Uh, how many stories of kind of relationships kind of gone wrong in so many ways, whether it's David with Bathsheba, a, a woman that was not meant to be anywhere near him, you know, like, you have, like, these different trickles of different stories of, and you have blended families, and you have this kind of family, and you have this kind of family, um, and our recent problem, or pandemic, so to speak, could be the one of fatherlessness, like, uh, men not having the desire to cause their own family uh, to flourish, or their own offspring to flourish, like, how do you really deal with that? Um, so I think the first thing is kind of the sensitivity behind it is uh, you must know that actually that that was never God's intent. So that means God sees you. But at the same time, that can feel painful. But by God, like, why? Why is it like this? The answer to that is actually we're just broken. 
But then how do we deal with it? The answer there is actually Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us an everlasting hope. And how that works itself out is actually through you and I beginning to look at our situations as they are. So if I'm a, if I'm a single mom and with, with this child, actually, how does God begin to hit reset in our lives through Jesus? Is that now that I've embraced the truth and now that I can teach my daughter about this thing, I actually have a hope that actually through what I know of Jesus, God can begin to, you know, to do something different. Now, it may not look perfect because we live in a broken and fallen world, but God can begin to outwork that. What, what of uh, uh, the fact that actually we live in a world where babies are, are left without kids? What, what if you're a family that can't have kids and actually you have the opportunity of mothering still because there's adoption, right? There's this thing that you can do that allows you to embrace another who may not be from your own uh, body, but actually you can embrace them as your own child and show them the thing that you desire. God, through that, has redeemed moments like that to allow us to experience something of his blessing. Now, the disclaimer is this. We live in, in a period where we call the already but not yet. It's the reality that Jesus has begun to redeem this world and usher his kingdom in. And we're beginning to see the beauty of this redemption, right? Whether it's daughter and father beginning to see eye to eye, whether it's your dad, you begin to see a whole horde of people starting to transform because of this. But actually, not everything is going to be resolved in the now. Our job is to see that the seeds of the gospel that begin to bring that about come. And then there's going to be a final consummation where Jesus Christ comes and creates a reality where each and every one of us will, f will live the most fulfilled of lives in that regard. Where our sense of family will be complete, right? So actually, our desire can be now and God can do, like there's some things that can happen that God redeems our situations. But there's also a final time where we have kind of our fully realized and fulfilled state um, when he comes and returns. So that's how I would respond to that one. And I think there's nuances. Um, it's hard to actually give you many examples. But as you guys experience this type of stuff, let's talk about it. That's what church family is about. We're here to counsel. So Tom and myself, again, like uh, God has, has put leaders in the community so that we, we have to go research, read, pray, learn these things. And we have Bob Rob who does, who's done two years of biblical counseling. That means he's dealt with many of these things as well who we have access to. So, friends, we don't have to die alone. We, we can actually explore these things and not fear because God can redeem and restore these things, yeah? I think my last two cents is in, in that um, I think we must resist the, the urge to remove yourself from God or from the people of God and to not live mm. in a silo, to, yeah. to still remember the, what you were talking about when you were saying the family, the family of God. Um, you know, to, yeah, to not remove yourself as hard as it is, but to still continue in that. Um, in, within the family of God because obviously on your own it's difficult. Yeah, especially with the lady, right, that she described like, uh, I've, uh, I have not found a husband. It's like actually be, being alone doesn't mean only I'm a single person but actually it is not good for men to be alone. Be in community. Make friendships that fulfill you. 
be, be meaningful in your interactions. And God may give you the desires of your heart, or even if he doesn't, he'll still fulfill you in how you engage in relationships past that. So there's ways and there's means. Over to Tom. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the annoying mean guy who calls it time. Uh, so I know Mbongileni and Francine, you're already like, oh, can I, can I? Uh, we've, we've gone already way over what we normally do, and we're not worried about that. We, we feel like this was actually a really important conversation. But please do remember what Celo said at the beginning. This is nothing more than a starter, and we know that. But it gets the ball rolling on these conversations, we, which actually, I think, happen in their best form in the, the ones and the twos or in the small groups uh, spaces. Uh, and so it's us pre pressing go on tough conversations when it comes to all kinds of family um, interactions and issues. And so please, friends, do not leave here thinking, but I had something more here or I had something more there. Keep that. Write it down if you have to. Bring it with you on Wednesday to those groups so that we can keep on having these moments and conversations. Uh, but we are going to call it time. We're aware uh, that we've gone over, and we're also aware that there is a, a very short leaders' meeting uh, afterwards as well. So uh, we're going to end just with a prayer, and I think it's important to pray and cover kind of all of these conversations and topics that we've touched on. Uh, and then just a reminder that next week uh, we're going to press play again on a different type of relationship, friendships, and then uh, in the panel discussion, be talking a little bit about dating as well. So uh, that's coming up next week. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the picture that we have been uh, given this morning of what the Bible has to say about our families. Thank you, Lord, that you operate in families. That's, that's what you do. And thank you, Lord, that when brokenness came into the world and came into the hearts of people and families, that you didn't say, you didn't press eject, but you pressed renew. Yeah. And that's the work that you're still on right now. And Lord, I pray that each one of us who is in this room, every single person will have some kind of family brokenness. Lord, I pray that you begin a work in our hearts, that we can be agents of renewal wherever we are in. Lord, would you help us? Would you give us the wisdom? Would you give us the grace? Would you give us the kindness to be able to enter into those conversations and spaces as well? Lord, may we be agents of your work in our families' lives. Lord, we pray this in your precious and mighty name. Jesus, we are yours. Come and use us, we ask. Amen. 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 Thank you, Selo. Thank you, Pumzile, for putting yourselves on the line. You could have been asked anything. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, we're going to break now for refreshments, okay? Uh, and then in about 20 minutes' time or so, uh, 15, 20 minutes' time, we'll call together the, the leaders just for a quick 10 minutes thing. If you are not a leader here, then please feel absolutely no obligation to, to stay. You are welcome to uh, go into the rest of your Sunday.